Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, episode number 99. As dedicated dancers, we all share a common goal to level up our dancing over time. This goal inspires us to take weekly classes, invest in private lessons, and attend workshops and festivals. And to make sure we don't forget what we learned and we can go back and practice, we record tons and tons of videos. How many videos do you have saved on your phone right now? How often have you reviewed them and extracted the golden nuggets that you learned from those classes? How often do you record yourself during a solo practice session or with a partner? If these questions are making you feel seen right now, I have the solution for you to organize your dance journey. The Dancers Training Journal 1.0, a Notion template to help you organize your dance videos and more. Notion is a cool and easy to use productivity app, and I've created a template for you that does the heavy lifting for you to have a system in place to organize all of your videos from your practices, private lessons, festivals, and more. To learn more about how to untap your dance potential with focus, accountability, and consistency with this dope resource, go to neokizomba.com slash templates. Again, neokizomba.com slash templates. the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dance Your Heart On Fire podcast. We're coming back at you with episode 99. I got 99 problems, but uh, what? Um, Yeah, that was cheesy. <laughs> but we're here, episode 99, one episode away from 100. And I'm excited to have a returning guest on the podcast. I think this is your, your third episode now on the Dance Your Heart On Fire podcast. How are you doing today, Miss Jules Tremblay? Hello, hello, hello. I'm doing fantastic. I'm so happy to be back for a third time. <laughs> I'm like, a, I'm a returning like for, for yeah, a Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's only a certain number of people you can interview until you start having repeats for sure. So that's <laughs> definitely a thing. Uh, I think the first podcast we did together was 65, which kicked off the podcast that I did last year in 2020. And then we've been consistent every week. And then you were on episode 73. And that's when we started the whole Woman in Kizoma series, part one. And yeah. then this is episode 99 for part two. And then part three will be in the, in the triple digits. <laughs> so it'll be cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's just like, I don't know, it gives the people like just a, a glimpse and then you do your thing and then we come back. But it's fun. I mean, like, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dense subject. So. It's good. Mm -hmm. 
before we dive into the juicy details of the shedding light in patriarchy in Kizomba, um, how have you been? It's, it's a new year. It's still January, a few weeks into January. We have a new president now in the United States. How are you even feeling with that? that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with this first and then we're going to come back to me. <laughs> this is historical. I mean, like you guys in the U.S. must be like excited with this new change and nothing happened. <laughs> Today was smooth. Yeah, it was a smooth transition of power outside of the things that happened on, I think it was January 14th. But yeah, the inauguration happened. There wasn't any crazy protest or anybody trying to snipe anybody. So that was good. And yeah, there was a virtual parade and it was like really nice to see all kinds of different cultures and people celebrating that. And then even taking a look at the executive orders that Biden has been citing since just his second day in office, he's like not playing around. So all of that has been really, really nice. And then Trump can't tweet anything. So we don't even know what he's feeling. <laughs> That's probably why he's so smooth. <laughs> I think that was the best band I've seen ever. I know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you should have done it before, but you know what? Everything happens for a reason, I guess. For sure. That's what they say. I mean, maybe over trying to overthrow the government is where they cross the line, you know? <laughs> I mean, I don't think, you know, I think that was the biggest part. You've done a few things maybe outside of what he should have done. But mm. this time around, I think it was unforgivable. Yeah. And then he got impeached, impeached twice. Twice. So. Can you imagine that as a president? <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways. So crazy. Yeah. And now <laughs> the, the <laughs> memes are going, the Bernie memes with the mittens. Have you seen those? <laughs> no. <laughs> so there's, he was sitting by himself. He was social distancing at the inauguration. Finally. And now people like photoshopped him out of that yes. picture and they're putting him. <laughs> so many memes. It's crazy. Uh, well, you know. But I mean, it's a, it's a happiness. It's a happiness. So it's good. I'd rather mm-hmm. see memes of Bernie than memes of Trump. So. 100%. 100%. I think there was one guy on my Instagram. It was like it was Bernie Sanders and Michelle Obama. It did like a, a montage kind of thing. I was like, just mm-hmm. just because, just because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, the poem that um, I forgot her names. Something uh-huh, Amanda? Amanda Gorman did yeah. the excellent poem recital at the inauguration. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of good videos and stuff like that. Um, JLo was there. Lady Gaga was there. Justin Timberlake sang a, sang a song. Different celebrities are like also pitching in their voice to kind of help celebrate. So I, didn't I would see say this. It's, it's a good week. I'll send it to you. Yes, indeed. But JLo sang uh, like this land is your land. And then Lady Gaga sang the Pledge of Allegiance. And so... I've never seen celebrities at a inauguration for the president, but I, I, it's good that they're using their celebrity influence for for good po- uh, political awareness. Mm-hmm. So, how's your 2021 going? <laughs> oh yeah, back to me. It's like a ping pong yes. game. Tra, tra, tra. Um, mm-hmm. So far, it has been amazing. I've started my new year now. I'm waking up at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, guys. I'm up at five in the morning. If you try to text me, I will not reply. 
at five in the morning because I'm on airplane mode. <laughs> 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 but it's true. It changed the whole game. I had such a hard time sleeping before. I had a bit of insomnia. So now I'm then going to bed early airplane mode, like for like starting like around nine all the way up to seven in the morning. And I sleep like a baby. Um, I don't know. I'm starting to be a bit more uh, active um trying to work a little bit less and more intelligently and mm. i'm back to school since september but this uh this semester is a bit uh bigger than the one prior i have three classes plus full-time work that mm. is something but it is so much fun i love it it just it just fuels my brain with amazing data amazing information uh so i'm just super happy so overall doing super great in i'm in montreal uh mm-hmm. by the way i know you know but people mm-hmm. don't for sure, for know. montreal canada and uh we are in a full lockdown since two weeks now so we have a curfew we have to be at home at eight so that helps with uh, going to bed early definitely <laughs> So yeah, other than that, I'm doing fantastic. What about you? I've been good. I was also going to say you've been using Notion as well. <laughs> yes. Actually, all our notes right now are in Notion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and for school. I've been putting all of my friends on to start to use Notion, which is like this really dope uh, workplace app, which is part of the sponsoring for this podcast is the Dance Trainers Journal 1.0, which is a template built in Notion for you to organize your dance journey, specifically all the videos that you have saved on your phone and computer that are just everywhere with no organization. That tool is going to help you. But outside of that, Notion is just really dope to like literally build a second brain. And that's been really helping with me as well. Um, you guys have definitely seen an uptick in, in content <laughs> that I've been putting out recently from videos to podcasts to templates to and there's more coming. There's a musicality course in the oven. Learn to Kids is coming back with a revamp. Website design, all this kind of stuff. So it's been really fun to delve into all that and just delve into tennis. And that's been where I kind of get my vitamin D because we can still play tennis in, in January here in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of snow on my side. Like mm-hmm. today I we guess unless it was indoor, you could play in Montreal. But we couldn't um, even because everything is closed. Oh, yeah. It's locked down. Yeah, it's so locked down. Snow yeah. plus, plus lockdown. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been really exciting to kind of get that started into the new year and put out some more products and things like that to kind of like make it as a dancer online, you know? So, yeah. Even like you've put in me on Notion because like you were like, Julie, you're going to love it for school. And you are right. <laughs> this whole structure now, all my mm-hmm. all my notes are into the same place, and in a way, are my assignments. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is amazing. I think we spent like a, a quite a moment. Like you show, you were showing me how to do it, and yeah, like, well, I think we had like a 90 minute <laughs> Zoom call, and I was just showing you, you can do this, you can do that. Mm-hmm. My mind, I was my mind was blown away. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. I think we're just stepping out of the topic. Today. It's okay. This is all. This is all fine. I mean, like, it, it feels like a chilling. You know, like we guys are yeah. chilling together. We like we're catching up, and mm-hmm. then you know we have time. For sure, uh, <laughs> my podcasts have been like ninety minutes and stuff like that. So, oh man, let me keep my feet. 
<laughs> we're not really in a rush, but um, I think that's the benefit of a podcast to kind of have a conversation and it doesn't have to be like right to the to business or to the meat and potatoes right away. But um, yeah, it was good to catch up a little bit and let people know what we're doing. I mean, we're in lockdown in, in a lot of different places, so it's good to yeah. kind of hear how people are are managing because it's about to be a full year since things started getting crazy because we're almost to March again. It's crazy. The, the last, like, I started my, uh, the, the COVID situation right after the, not the last, I think it was the last one, the last uh, festival in Toronto for my birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a few days after, it was complete lockdown. So that mm-hmm. was beginning of the March. Yeah. So it's going to be in a month. 11, 11 yeah. months now. It's crazy. Can you let our listeners know what you are studying? Because that's going to tie in beautifully <laughs> with today's topic. Yeah. So, as you probably noticed from the, the previous podcast, oh, there's a lot of what I said. I'm really into women and how the history about it. So, now I'm studying gender studies. So I'm in a uh, university. So I went back to university after 10 years. Not easy. Not mm-hmm. easy, especially when you work full time. But mm-hmm. I'm such in love with the subject. And I love what, is in, what I discover. And uh, there's a lot of things that I did not know about, even though I've been reading a lot about it. And um, there's, I'm learning every day. Uh, so I'll, yeah, so this is what I'm studying, gender studies. For sure. I know that that's part of the reason why it took us a while even to record this particular podcast because you were studying and working full time. And I know that's definitely not easy. So kudos to you for juggling both because I know that's not easy. Um, But I think also (laughs) we take a look at the timing of it now that you have a break in between your semesters and you've gone through a full semester. I think that's even going to help bring more context into the conversation that we're about to have right now on this podcast. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. Mm -hmm. So with this podcast, which is titled Shedding Light on Patriarchy in Kizomba, um, we're definitely going to delve into... Uh, male privilege and privilege is definitely a word that we've seen float not float but i guess i don't want to say being used a lot (laughs) uh, a lot uh, especially last year in 2020 because after the incident with uh, george floyd white privilege started getting used a lot and then that got tucked into male privilege and then there's all kinds of shades of privilege from economic status to uh, heterosexual privilege to uh, geographical privilege and things of that nature. So it's not just uh, male, female, black, white. Obviously, there's lots of different types of other races in the world as well. But we would like to shine some light on some instances in, I guess, the female experience in, in the world of Kizomba. And I'm glad that Jules is here with me to kind of go through that, or I guess, have this conversation. And I'm also a man, so like I guess it's just good to like sit and and listen and realize what is the experience that people are having because it's just the same thing. Like if I were to sit down to have a conversation with the white person, 
is about white privilege, it'll be the same situations, just making them aware of a system that is benefiting them, that they're not guilty of creating, but uh, they have to be aware of that is benefiting them and creating, I guess, uh, inequality. Well, often I'm, I, I try to use that example to make men understand a man, a woman a position, because uh, it, it, like when we talk about oppression, as I'm a white woman, you are a black man. So there is one thing that we can we can actually uh, bring not on the same page because the experiences are completely different, but we can understand the same language as uh, oppression on mm-hmm. on that. So yes, so it is similar. Although if we bring in the mix a, a woman of color, mm. then it's it's not quite the same because she has other oppression on her, which I cannot relate in the sense like because of my skin color. But if to go back to your questioning, it could be seen a bit similar in terms of privileges. Yes, for sure. And similar in like not as as far as the the person experienced them or experiencing the same thing, but uh, similar in, in the in the light that. The person isn't guilty of creating the system that exists today, but they are benefiting from it. And it's something that they have to be aware of in order to create a more equal society or dancing or what, whatever circle that you're looking at, you know? That I agree. I mean, like, we didn't choose to be who we are. It just, mm-hmm. it just happens. Like, after it's like, what are you doing with that? I'm, you need to acknowledge the fact that this is your position. And then, mm. as you said, like, what are you going to do with that? You know, definitely. And I like what you're saying before about the we talked about there are multiple kinds of privilege and oppression. Yeah. From economic, geographic, uh, heterosexual versus somebody who is uh, queer or um, the LGBTQ community. To, so it's LGBTQ in French. I don't know if it's said in English. It's LGBTQ 2S plus. Yeah, it's in English also too spirited. Mm, I got you. Yeah. And so there, there's a lot of intersectionality. So it's also not a dichotomy either. And like you said before, if, if it's a woman of color, then it's a, a female and of color. So she will experience both oppressions. Is oppression the best word to use for that? Yes, it is an oppression. Hmm. So there's definitely like now we could say, what about a woman of color who is queer? So now mm-hmm. there would essentially be three. So yes. it, you can definitely layer on a lot of different things and it'll create a different experience for each individual. You know, what's very interesting is uh, we don't talk, we don't talk about it. And there's like a new, I'm just going to sidetrack just a tiny bit, but there's a movement that we don't really hear anything about. It's just like the probably not in US, but the the, the, the strongest at the moment, which is called uh, the decolonization of a feminist. The feminist, wait, I'll just say it in English. Wait, the decolon- decolonial feminism. Oh, that was you can a hard say one. decolonization. Yep, feminist feminism. Decolonization of feminism. No, because like okay, <laughs> is that the name of the like group? My tongue, my blah, 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 it's a movement. Okay, how <laughs> to decolonize first the, the, the history and also like on the with the feminist point of view. Okay, mm. so basically how we can we can create that and that is a new movement and I'm very I'm very happy finally it's more out in the open because it is necessary. But what's very interesting is women of color. I've been talking about this 
since the beginning of the 20th century. Mm. Like after the abolition the of, of slavery, uh, mm-hmm. even then they were talking about intersectionality, mm. like about uh, like the, 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 the race, the gender, the, not the sexual orientation, but it, it was more classis- classism. Mm. They were, they've been talking about it since the beginning, but no one re- were really listening to them, which is a shame. And now it's like we're talking like, oh, well, it's a new movement. And since the 1970s with the black feminism, <laughs> which was a, the, almost like a, the third wave in the United States. Mm-hmm. But they've been talking about it since the beginning. So intersectionality has been there for a long time. For a while. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. So for the scope of this podcast, we, we cannot take on the entire globe of, of patriarchy and and things of that nature. I think it's going to be multiple conversations that are going to happen throughout lots of different uh, channels. But we want to do our part to kind of make a little step in in this direction. And we're going to be discussing patriarchy in in the Kizomba world. And I think um, we'd agree on that. It'll be really cool to just even define what patriarchy is, so everybody's kind of like on the on the same page as, as far as what it means. And then we'll get into more of a, of Kizomba related things. Um, if we're talking about a general, very high level uh, definition, it is a, a system of society of government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it, or a society or community organized on patriarchal lines. So basically, is the man is at the center of it and when we're talking about a structure is like the institute institutionally the man has been put first and that i know like a lot of people will be like yeah but sometimes like a woman have more power than man i can refute it no stress mm-hmm. <laughs> or help bring more not refute it yeah I, I could actually refute it but there's also like a lot of elements that are being put aside that are super important to usually use in these kind of cases and not everybody's perfect on either sides and what is very important i think we're going to mention a bit later on is the patriarchal system have everybody as a victim mm. so the woman will ha- like we, we are victim on a certain way but also it it, it, it evolves also everybody else so mm-hmm. so that's really important to mention it's not like a a woman saying the man also like let's say like hey you need to be like a like you need to be a, you need to be a man don't cry mm, that's also sure. a symptom or consequences of patriarchal system mm-hmm, definitely so it's it's all a system that we are uh, being affected by and like you said before we're all victims so I think that that's also important to to state so that way that anybody listening to the podcast this isn't something to where we're pointing fingers at men saying that you need to do better or trying to attack men or maybe saying that woman, the, the woman gender is more superior to the men, the male Which gender or anything like that. We're just trying to bring awareness to the inequalities in our societal structure. Yes. And of course, that will, again, this happened. This is a larger conversation that happens even outside of the dancing and Obviously, if we just bring it into the microcosm of the dance community and or even just whittle that down even just more so to the Kizomba community, then it's just part of the conversation that hopefully will be a step in the direction of a healthier Kizomba community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. 
Yeah, because like uh, even as a woman in the in the scene, and having the knowledge that I have, even though I'm, I'm still learning, I'm far from knowing everything. Oh Lord, which is great, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. it still brings that that feeling a bit of discomfort because we're gonna tap in into certain subjects that uh, I've personally uh, witnessed, or I was even on the receiving end, and mm-hmm. I, I'm a woman in that scene. So uh, there's always that I won't say fear because I don't, I'm not I don't I don't feel I'm not being scared of anything, but it just brings that. Oof, Okay, let's 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 dig in. You know, hopefully mm-hmm. the message will come across. For sure. Would you say it's like a feeling of discomfort or maybe vulnerability mixed together? A bit of yeah, mixed together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good for point. sure. Uh huh. Um, I will also say that as a man, I also feel a little bit of discomfort as well because I might have been done something in the past or. Maybe like, oh, maybe I should have handled that that situation better before in the past, you know, and now you learn a better way of handling it. But you're not going to you can't un, you can't go back in time and, and redo something, you know, or maybe speaking up when you should have in a different particular situation. So everybody's journey is different. Um, so we don't want anybody to like feel blamed or anything like that or feel guilty or, or shame. Again, this is all just to build awareness. And yeah, I think it's just important to have the conversation, even though it is uncomfortable. It's in, I think it's a necessary part of the journey to move in the correct direction. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I, I would like to point out that it, there's no universal universality in the experiences. Mm. It's like, like let's say, like maybe later on, I'm going to talk about certain of my experience and things that I've seen, and just as as a generality but everybody has their own experience and that i understand it (laughs) for sure all right so yes so has um has been in in the kizomba scene for 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 a few years now and as i said a bit earlier uh i've been on the receiving end on multiple things not multiple but a few things like bullying (laughs) So, uh, like messages been sent or saying like, so, uh, not to act a certain way. I don't want to act a certain way, but just like, I wouldn't say threat either, but just like keeping me shut, you know, mm. just making sure, um, I don't say anything, but that's, uh, something that a lot of women will, would feel there's a lot of things happening or like, there's a lot of blackmailing that makes, uh, people stay silent. So especially mm. women. And now in 2020, we've seen a lot of uh, people uh, coming out with their stories on the sexual misconduct. Mm-hmm. But even then, I was talking with, with friends or talking with people that I know, even myself. It took me a while to get my story out uh, for multiple reasons, uh, especially first, it's super personal. Uh, then mm-hmm. you, you're always scared to, uh, to know if people will believe you or not. And especially mm-hmm. uh, in that scene where uh, you know it's... Well, I didn't think it would be received as it, as it was received. I really thought it would be the end of it because I've, I'm, I'm so used to see around me men or people in, post, in position of power of winning and the woman not being heard. It's either in the keys on the scene or if you're looking into uh, rap cases in, uh, at the court, at the courthouse. 
mm-hmm. usually the victims are not listened to so mm-hmm. yeah Yeah, definitely. So, I guess in in the in the men's world, we have kind of like cliques of of popular instructors, and inherently there's some power that goes into that, and they use that to kind of control women. And one of the ways that you mentioned before was by keeping them quiet and keeping them silenced. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely heard stories to where like. Definitely, like they aren't paid the same, or if something happens, it's like, hey, you can't bring this up, um, or being believed if they do bring a story out. I feel like is it's really important as well, and yeah, even professionally as far as bookings, since most of these popular instructors um, are males and the organizers can book them alone, then there's like almost a barrier to like even be able to talk to the organizer who is going to be negotiating how much each person gets paid, uh, the accommodations of like flight, food, hotel, and things of that nature. So if you're, if the person that you're working with isn't really on your side, then it could be kind of an uphill battle to to face those different things, yeah? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, yeah, for sure. Um, there's like, I, I wish I had the ratio or the percentage mm. of, of couples, only women by themselves, mm. like as solo instructors and men instructors. And just mm-hmm. just just to bring it up, I don't even think we have that data to be to be to be quite honest, um, sure. be, because there's so many males instructors and they don't see the. the I don't know if that, that that's going to really answer your question, but let me know if I'm mm-hmm. not answering it. But that there's so many men that are teaching by, the, by themselves because they don't think the value of having a woman as a partner. Mm-hmm. Will bring any actual having a woman as a partner will not bring any value because they can teach it themselves or they can use assistance. Mm-hmm. So th- then that also go with how we perceive follow like uh, followers as instructors. So I think For that sure. also goes with as in the professionalism of it and um, organizers hiring these people. So when 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 they're gonna hire a man, they're gonna pay more. Let's say like in. When you go to work at your regular work, mm-hmm. most men are paid high or paid more than the woman. So it's mm-hmm. not really surprising to see it also in the dance scene. Definitely. One thought that just came to mind, you we mentioned how there's inherent power that a man might have, and a result of that is the woman being silenced, you know? Yeah. And if a woman instructor or an assistant is there and she is silent. Inherently, she's not giving the value that she needs to be giving to the class, you know? So it's kind of like this cycle. The woman doesn't feel safe or empowered to speak up in class. No value is given. That is shown to the students and the students just kind of perpetuate that. So that way they don't ask for it or they're not aware that that value is missing. And since there's nobody there to... I guess uh, to to kind of be a role model of what a a good follow instructor with a voice would look like, then it just is it's a cycle that kind of repeats itself because they're not going to we're not going to have better follower instructors until more follower instructors are given the opportunity to speak in class and make mistakes and grow into that role 
to then inspire the future generation of female instructors. And then that is what the, that's the cycle that actually gets uh, repeated versus the, the silence, you know? Yeah, but like, let's say there, what about space? Is there a space for mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. to step in while teaching or assisting? For sure. Is there that space given to her? Sometimes there's not. So like, how, how can you grow? How can you also like, and then it just goes to your point. Then how can you have that, that model? And like, even like in, in a, in a class or in a festival, 80% of the attendees are women. Mm-hmm. And when you're teaching a class, there's no woman instructor or it's, it's an assistant that often like the man instructor will just speak on the side or they will ask them like a few minutes before to try a trick or two. And then they're going to teach the woman would not often they don't know because they're just assisting so they're not talking mm-hmm. so then it goes to well if they're not the, if they don't even know the movements how can they how can they teach and then exactly anyways it just goes like uh it is it's a cycle that repeats itself yeah. because if they never bring the value then not to say that the organizers will never see that value but it makes it harder for organizers to see the value that's given in the class if the follower role is just a, a silent role because they're not actively trying to teach. But in order to be able to be an active participant in the instructional role as a follower, then there needs to be time before class to plan accordingly and to try the move and to count the move and to think about, okay, what are the techniques that I'm using in this move? What are things that I need to be careful of in this move? And what mistakes do I need to avoid? what questions might be asked in the class and kind of practice these things even before you even set foot. But again, like for me, from my experience, I've had plenty of instances where I get booked solo and I don't have a dance partner and I have to contact the follow, but usually it's, it's not uncommon for me to contact the follow maybe a month in advance to try to say, hey, are you available? Are you able to come? Uh, these are the classes I'm thinking about teaching and things of that, that nature. But then it makes it hard because usually there's a distance gap as well, you know? And yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of factors that I can get into as far as getting booked and lesson planning and from a solo instructor standpoint. But, but I, I, I'm, partnered up. I'm partnered up. So mm-hmm. like I have a partner, I have a dance partner. Uh, and then when, when we teach, it's equal. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. actually it is equal. Just like I'm usually translating <laughs> English because mm-hmm. it speaks Portuguese and French. Um, mm-hmm. But our partnership is very equally, e- equally built. Mm-hmm. And there, there are also other couples that it's also the same thing. Once again, it's under generality. But uh, for sure. Y- yes. Like, I mean, like, I think at a certain point, we need to just stop saying that just follow. Mm. Just follow. No. I think it's time, it's time to evolve that. And just, as you said, like to prepare, let's say you, you, you don't have a dance partner. So you just contacting someone through the distance. Sometimes it's far, but at least if you have a contact with that person and, and also it happens sometimes you just don't know anybody where, where you're going to go in that city. Mm-hmm. It happens. It's okay. It's okay. It's just like, if it's always like this, it's like, it's, it's systemically happening that way. That's the issue. Definitely. And if, if we put more value on the follower's role in class, then that trickles up to the role of the follower as an instructor, which then trickles up to the organizers to book a follow 
and even be able to book a follow on their own, not just for lady styling, not to say that no. lady styling doesn't have its value. There's but more. in the dance, <laughs> there's more than, than just leading and following, which then should trickle up into the organizers now respecting like when there is a breakup in the partnership, that there's mm-hmm. value for both roles, you know, because I think you and I both know and, and many other people of the podcast will agree that like usually when there's a dance partnership breakup, it's not uncommon for the leads to stay with the bookings from the yes. different organizers. Yeah. It happened a couple of times, eh? Mm-hmm. And then we're like, what's happening? And then the woman is like, she disappeared and then she's struggling because mm-hmm. she's struggling to go back there. And lately, or I've been seen after a breakup, I've, I haven't seen a woman like sh- shining as much as mm-hmm. the male counterparts. Mm-hmm. No, she's not seen as much. She's not valued as much. Because like For you're sure. saying, like, like, as you said, like lady styling, but there's so much more. And there's one person that she, she uses that, 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 um, that key concept. And it's Julian. She called it Julian. I think I just, like, yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> uh, I scrub your name. But, uh, she's, she was saying an active following. Mm. And that is not really, nobody's really teaching that. It is the key of the following skills. Mm-hmm. So, and then hopefully, Organizers will see that more in the next general, and then it goes back to hopefully women will be able to teach by themselves and having the booking, and then only have the men having the booking. For sure. So I feel like the the inequality that we're seeing in the bookings and getting paid, and what happens during a, a partnership is the result of from the value that we're not seeing in in each individual class or maybe not having the follower present. So that's what we're trying to shine light on right now so you guys can see how those things are connected. And also for my podcast listeners, if you haven't already, I would highly recommend listening to the podcast that I did with uh, Michaela and also with Lydia because they also shared uh, their experiences with previous dance partnerships. And it sucks because like one day, Maybe you have six months to a, a year, year worth of bookings out there. And so you're in this full time. You don't have your full time job or anything like that. And then there's a disagreement and boom, you're kicked to the curb. And now you don't have access to any of those bookings. And I think in the case of uh, Michaela, when she broke up with her dance partner, there was only out of a year's worth of bookings. She mentioned that only two organizers uh, didn't book. Um, her partner, and it was myself and another organizer out of a year's worth. So we're talking about at least 30, 40 organizers that just decided to continue and and just book the mail without the follower. And then again, uh, the leader instructor can just grab any assistant and still get paid the same amount, the same. you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that's not even to say, like, did she have access to the organizers? Were the organizers contacting him or were they contacting Michaela or were they contacting both? Who was negotiating the pay or the, how they're sharing the percentage of what's getting paid by the organizer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But even that, even like if even if, if you're only contacting one person, let's say mm-hmm. you're contacting the man and it, you're only dealing with that person. Does it really matter? Because at the end of the day. If you're also valuing the following side, mm-hmm. you won't only choose the person you're talking with because you know the value of the person you're not talking with. 
Mm. So for sure. However, if a, if a follower needs to arm herself to be making sure that she doesn't end up in that situation, then that either needs to be a conversation that she has with her dance partner to make sure like, hey, what's going on with the bookings? Is there a contract that's being signed or an agreement that's being signed with the organizer or something? So just so you just can't, you can't be blind to the booking process, even if it's not predominantly being handled by you, I would just say. Yeah, but sometimes it's a, but it depends. I mean, like I'm, I know my, my, my partnership, I don't know about other people's partnership, mm-hmm. but I mean, like sometimes even like, let's say in a marriage, or like mm-hmm. not being in a marriage or you're having kids and like mm-hmm. you see how people are struggling to get out of there. So like a mm-hmm. partnership is it's 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 not a marriage per se, but it is as it is profound. And sometimes when it, sure. when it ends up ugly, it's ugly. Definitely. But even in order to get divorced, you have to go to a third party lawyer yeah. or whatever, and they have to guide you through the process of exiting. You but know? we don't so, have that. In the dance community. We don't have that in the dance community. So it's really just up to whatever, you know? The goodwill. <laughs> For sure. The goodwill <laughs> of the partnership, you know? But I think if you get to that particular situation, usually it's not something that happens overnight. You can't yeah. be in love with your dance partner and then hate her guts the next day. So usually if there's something that's building up that's not being spoken about or you're not checking up on the partnership to kind of see what's going on, then maybe something might explode. And it might seem out of out of the blue, but maybe there was just some missed hints or signals or somebody wasn't communicating something before it got to that point. Yeah, but sometimes like it's like in a relationship, you're blind. You don't even mm-hmm. see it coming because like you're so focused on what you're seeing good. And that is also mm. some, some things like we see a lot of women. Like mm. we are the education that we receive is to care, is to sacrifice ourselves, it's to give. You know, it's to be mm. that it, that motherly kind of. And when we are in a partnership, we we, we tend to uh, any kind of of relationship, partnership, friendship, uh, romantic relationship, whatever. We tend to see mm. the best in the partner that we have, and sometimes we get blindsided. Even though, like, oh yeah, mm. like I should have seen the signs. How many times you've heard that in a relationship? I should have seen mm-hmm. the signs. Uh, maybe like doing at the beginning, they could be like, hey. I really love you. I really like you, but we should mm-hmm. write down as a contract with ourselves mm-hmm. just to make sure like I am protected as much as you are protected, you know? Exactly. And hey, what would a, the end of a partnership look like, you know? Yes, because like it's something it w- with a marriage. Yes, there's a contract because like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, like now everything is butterfly and rainbows and mm-hmm. you know, like unicorns turning around and spinning. For sure. And then you, you're just planning on what could happen eventually. Hopefully nothing's going to happen. But what if, you know, we never know. Exactly. One thing that I've read about in, or heard about in a polyamory podcast I listened to um, is the multi-amory podcast, but they have a episode that's dedicated to uh, an idea called in radar. And basically it boils down to a monthly check-in and it's a monthly check-in that gets scheduled on the calendar. Uh, when you start one of these sessions, the first item on the agenda is to schedule the next one. So that always gets put to the forefront, but basically you have a list of items that you go through and it's a safe space where there's no distractions and you get to talk about the relationship to just check in and see how everybody's doing and how are you feeling about the relationship, 
family, money, travel, work. You just kind of go down the list of life and talk about everything. And I feel like that would be a cool, a cool thing to see in other partnerships as well, to just have a check-in like, hey, because it can be very easy to kind of just get caught up in the blur of bookings and organization and lesson planning and socials and not sleeping. But if you don't have time to just like, hey, let's check in with each other. Uh, let's, hey, these are the goals that we had. Are, is this still something that you feel good? What went good this month? What can we improve this month? Et cetera, et cetera, you know? Yeah, it, I think it goes, uh, it goes also with uh, along the lines with behavior awareness. Like knowing mm. like what you've done, exactly what you said, but like acknowledging it and being aware of what you are doing and maybe mentioning, I don't know, it's up to you to want to mention what the other, the partner is doing, but like having that open-mindedness and that open, that open-heartness, you know, like that, mm-hmm. that, that empathy towards one another. And that's how you, you have rich relationships and it, that can work by what you're saying. Definitely. I like so that. So just, mm-hmm. Just to kind of recap a little bit here of the kind of professional area, patriarchy in Kizomba, it definitely is some power dynamics in the partnerships. Um, we see this evident in what happens after partnerships break up. We see this in negotiation areas with organizers, making sure that both of them are aware of what's going on is the is the how are the payment dynamics and negotiations between the couple um also exposure of both roles in the partnership you know like if the couple gets booked don't just put the male instructor on the flyer make sure and the both tagging them, can we talk about the tagging talk to me about the tagging <laughs> i mean what is happening out there i don't get it you see like a beautiful video you're like Mm-hmm. they're like the, it's fired and on their feet it's amazing mm-hmm. and then you look at the text like who's that girl and then you realize mm-hmm. there's no tagging because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's the man that's going to be tagged even in a partnership mm-hmm. a known partnership sometimes only the man will be tagged i don't get yeah, it definitely. can we tag the person especially when you know the person like for sure it, it goes with it that that's what social medias are and especially in the social scene we 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 thrive we with social media that's how we, we get known mm-hmm. so if you're not tagging she she won't be recognized people won't know who she is so that's so exactly. important that that's the basic and that is all often forgotten that needs to be corrected for sure please, and, people, that, please. and this happens on on multiple levels so yes. If you are, if you, uh, a dancer is sharing a video of one of your favorite couples, it's very helpful if you tag both. So yes. that's something that you can do. The listener who may not be an organizer or teacher or anything like that, but that's something you do anytime that you reshare a video. Um, also for the, the channels that thrive on taking uh, videos from other accounts and putting it on their account. I think it's really important for them to tag the follows or at least do investigations of who the follower is. And then we also have the actual dancer like, hey, this is I'm going to try to avoid to using names. But like, hey, here's a famous instructor. He was dancing with an assistant, but he just posted a video, but he doesn't post who the, the follow was. Yes. So even from like an instructor standpoint, mm-hmm. if, even if you're going to use an assistant, just making sure that that person gets the recognition for. Uh, being the other person that you're dancing with. 
And again, it's it's just equal exposure to make sure that both people are seen. Yeah, because when you think about it, the assistant, she helps mm-hmm. you gaining the money that you earn mm-hmm. teaching the class. So I think it is the it, it, it is fundamental to know who the person is and has her name mm-hmm. in her social media. I don't know. That's maybe that's my sure. point of view, but I think you we share the same. Yeah, yeah definitely. So going back to with that, so that was under the the bullet point of exposure in both roles in the partnership, whether it's an assistant or not. Um, also, teaching talking time um, is another place where we see inequality, and this can be fixed by taking more time and being more intentional about the lesson planning aspects of the class. And I think this will give the woman the confidence to speak up more in class, so it's not her just kind of like trying to wing it without knowing exactly what's going on because she just learned the move five minutes ago. Because I know? would feel super insecure teaching a move that I just learned five minutes ago. So mm-hmm. there's also that aspect. So like you're throwing me like in the, in, in the lion's uh, den. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know the move. So how can I analyze it and like uh, decortique, like uh, putting into piece, uh, uh, pieces? Mm. Deconstructed. De- deconstructed. Thank you. And like, and then teaching in front of people, like, there's just classes, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, and then there's that stage fright also because mm-hmm. often women are, are, are taught not to speak too loud, not, mm-hmm. to, not to take too much space, not to do this, to be like, really like um, a temperance, like, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you, thank you. And that we can also see it during a, a, a teaching moment so sometimes they don't they don't take the, their space that the space is not given but they don't take it either for so many mm-hmm. reasons you know for sure i'm going to ask you a spicy question Oof. but I, I want you to minimize the spiciness okay so i, I, I don't want you to name anybody okay. but you have done <laughs> several collaborations with yes. some international instructors yes how much time was there in the <laughs> lesson planning <laughs> No, it's 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 real. Is is this what we're talking about? This is where the rubber meets the road. (laughs) But don't say any names. Just say in your experience. Even if I don't, (laughs) Charles. What? Okay, 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 okay. Um, I feel like, I feel like you know, like the, the TV show when they eat uh, the 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 answer question with G, Jimmy Jimmy Fallon. Not Jimmy Fallon. What's his name? Jimmy something. And they need to eat like a, a like a nasty food. They don't answer the question. <laughs> Where's the crickets? <laughs> I would eat the crickets. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm gonna answer. Um, very minimal. Sometimes, uh, often, I've learned it on in front of everybody at the same time and everybody else mm. so uh and often i have no 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 say really mm-hmm. i speak a, a tiny little bit the things that i know and sometimes it just like it happens like uh, i well I, I know the move or i know mm-hmm. like how to get there because of, from experience and i don't mind speaking in front of people at all for sure so that also helps but um, yeah, <laughs> rarely no, I, I sure. had time to prepare before it happened. Like uh, uh, once, once we had time to prepare. I was like, okay, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I feel, I feel, I feel a bit better now. So at least, even like when you're doing a demo, <laughs> mm-hmm. like just like dancing a bit together, it can be rusty and sometimes because like in festivals you're traveling, so mm-hmm. like. It, it happens often that you haven't been dancing with that person for for a moment. 
So they can need to get get that chemistry back to to to, sure. to, to feel the chemistry on 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 the dance uh, on the mm-hmm. demo as well, you know. For sure. Um, from my point of view, um, or my experience, I should say, sometimes like I feel like I might have erred on the on the opposite side where maybe I'm trying to give the follower too much information and then she gets overwhelmed. And then that also mm. causes some insecurities. Insecurities and things like that, because yeah. maybe she wasn't aware of different techniques and things like that. Yeah. And that can also cause some stage fright. Yeah. So yes. it's not an easy thing. No. We're not trying to point or blame or anything like that, but just kind of share our experiences that we've had over the years. I definitely try to plan more uh, with my assistants and even like uh, contact them a few months in advance. And like if an organizer is paying for me to get there, then at least I'm trying to like maybe get them a free pass and maybe minimize the money that they have to come out of pocket to be a part of the event, assuming that maybe they didn't buy their pass or already. If they're already there at the event, then obviously they bought their pass and maybe they already have a hotel accommodation or something like that, you know? But it also depends. I'm sorry, cut you off. Go ahead. But yeah, there's different situations of how compensation can go depending on if the follower is planning planning to be there Mm -hmm. or is she coming there specifically to assist the the instructor that has the booking by himself see like um it happened to me like uh like often if i go there to uh to assist uh, everything would be paid for i mean like and not everything often i'm I want to go so or i'll pair up with uh with, with someone that i already know that's gonna go or something but then my my the past will be paid for and mm-hmm. other things too you know and sure. other times it did not happen and sometimes everything was paid it mm-hmm. depends it depends on and i wonder in in the situations where i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but um in the, <laughs> in the situations where it did not happen did it happen did it not happen because the instructor that you partnered with tried to ask the organizer for compensation and the organizer declined? Or did the instructor not even bother asking the organizer for extra compensation for the follower? Um, that was a rhetorical question, but yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure. But I think like sometimes it's because I was already there mm. or I was already going. So it's like, hey, you're going? Sure. Awesome. Do you mind? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you mind anyway? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. sure I'm, already, I'm, I'm there you anyway, know. so it's gonna be a pleasure, you know. Um, and it's yeah. always fun. And it's always fun to 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 do a collaboration with someone. So um, mm-hmm. I'm up for that. But so that's usually the case, for sure. And if that's the case where it's not costing the organizer or the instructor any extra money, then I feel like maybe there should be like some kind of a compensation or something like that for the time that is there, unless. The, even the exposure or being uh, an assistant could be like an experiential uh, compensation. There's I've a lot had of, some, yeah, there's lots of different types, yeah. But there's a lot of talk about that. So there's mm-hmm. people that are saying that, well, it gives you exposure and gives you experience. And that I mm-hmm. agree, but I think it depends also on who you're taking as uh, your assistant. For sure. So th- there's also that. And there's also people who are saying like, well, she's she's helping you earn your money so she, she should have like her own cachet so she should have a certain mm-hmm. amount of money and there's people that are saying well she should at least have her fees cover or try to cover exactly. her fees or some people are like i don't give two fucks mm-hmm. it depends mm-hmm. but yeah i think it's like for sure i don't know 
Definitely. So going back to the list, this yes. was under the bullet point of like just teaching, talking time yeah. uh, and things of that nature. Assistance versus instructors versus collaborations. Um, we're also seeing inequalities in the quantity of solo male instructors versus solo female instructors. Yeah. Um, and we've already talked about how lesson planning and for the classes and workshops. And I feel like this should be something that's important for organizers to realize as well. There's a big difference. And Lydia talks about this very eloquently in the the podcast that we did together. Uh, That link is in the description. She mentioned how there's a difference between creating consumers versus creating dancers. You know, like if I'm an entertainer and I want consumers, I want people to come to my show, you know. But if I am a dance instructor, then I should be inspiring people to come and learn from me versus to be entertained, you know, and not to say that entertainment isn't a part of giving a good class. But if that is the meat and potatoes of your class is just entertainment, then now you are kind of like unconsciously uh, grooming them to be more of a consumer mindset versus like students that you're trying to teach in the dance, you know. I don't want to throw some shade to anyone, but. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of entertainers mm-hmm. in the dance community than actual pedagogues. That mm-hmm. actually, that, 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 let's say, like, look at the in salsa, definitely, or mambo. They are not playing around. Their 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 teaching is really to have dancers. I feel like that's something that we could uh, work a little bit more as uh, as uh, instructors. Mm-hmm, I find so. And, sure. But I'll, if I just like a, like a little like a bracket here, and mm-hmm. we we like entertain, entertainers, and we put them mm-hmm. on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. So that also goes with that hierarchy of putting men on a pedestal and really in the higher in in, in their higher sphere. So like because entertainers we like them when they we almost put them as a pop star. It's kizomba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a dance. Okay. So like having like also like put it in bubbles, like you should put it in the bubbles that you did with the uh, other podcast, like poo poo. And then we can, <laughs> uh-huh. then with my hands, it combines Let's together. Put it again. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like there's also like, yes, entertainment is okay, but the quality of the teaching should also be like uh, the, the major part of it. For sure. You know, and this is actually a conversation that is talked about a lot in the Latin community because in the Latin community, a lot of the headliners also do shows and yes. performances, yes. you know? And so now these performers who are awesome performers come to the workshops and they're teaching moves that they do on the stage. But then the social dance floor is not a stage. It's not no. the, the stage, you know? So now you have a bunch of people trying to like perform as they do on the stage on the social dance floor and not to say that like hey maybe the people taking the classes are actually performers and they're taking this class because they want to perform better but then there should be a distinction in the class uh title and the content and the the breakdown from the instructors like hey we are teaching you tips to perform better on stage this is not for the social dance floor and then for the other instructors say hey this is for moves on the social dance floor not for the stage and be able to make that distinction. And I think in the Kizoma world, we don't have a many professional shows because we don't even have partnerships, but <laughs> um, I would we say have the there's demo. not a lot in urban kids. <laughs> but, in I mean, urban kids. In Samba, we do have shows and Kizomba. Mm. It's a bit different. Well, there is for sure. 
I, I would agree with that for sure. But um, I was going to say, like, in typically we see a lot of demos. Yeah, I will see like yes. a demo. And then sometimes that demo is almost like a half performance. Oh, my God. Half, <laughs> but, or half social, steps. you know? So <laughs> it's like, OK, I get it that the demo is supposed to be used to kind of like highlight what you're capable of doing and things like that. But then what did you even teach in the class? You know, so <laughs> it's, it's what. Why was I moving all of this? It should touch your students. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel like so many people put, and even myself, I felt pressure, a lot of pressure yes. over the years over trying to make the demo really good. Yes. Because the demo is typically, if you put out a good demo, the organizers will pay attention. Yes. And that's how you get your bookings, you know? But yes. that, that even pushes you to be more of an entertainer yes. and put out a dope video versus being a really good instructor. Yeah. And then, like, uh, if, what's, what's interesting? I, I, yes, 1%. And, What's interesting because I'm, I, I teach Semba and mm-hmm. we have Semba show and Semba. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like a lot of people are teaching, they want to learn about Semba show, but in classes, we not really teach, we're not teaching really the Semba shows because you need to have, mm-hmm. you need, you need, it's, it's advanced. You need to be pretty skilled. So like when you're doing your demo mm-hmm. and then you're doing a mega Semba show mm-hmm. and this, this is not even what you did <laughs> at all. <laughs> like a woman Saida mm-hmm. <laughs> for that class, you know, and even like people to understand the differences. Mm-hmm. Cause like, you can also say in your class, like, Hey, this is that type of thing you're going to, you're going to learn today. But like now I'm going to try to incorporate those moves mm-hmm. into the demo. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of things, like a lot of times the instructor don't even say it. They just do the demo. You're like, sure. uh, so I'm just recording you being, I'm amazingly mm-hmm. good on this. So right, how can I do this? It's like, hey guys, I like I, we're gonna do sort of like few moves that we that we practice, but we also gonna incorporate this so you, the person or the, the the student can see. Oh my God, that move that I tried today and I learned mm-hmm. it's there. So this is where I can go exactly. So th- there's that dimension, there's that, that richness into the demo, the depth to it that could be very interesting sure. to explore. And so it's just being intentional about the example that you are creating when you're teaching, you know, mm-hmm. are you saying, what, are you talking the talk and walking the walk in what you're teaching and also what you're doing in your demos, you know, and either one is, is not, you cannot do a flashy summer show demo. You can keep it simple to kind of show the yes. students, like give them hope and not just uh, flex on them. But if you're, again, mm-hmm. if you're an artist and you're trying to get booking and Hey, I need this demo to be hot because I need some bookings for next August. Then you, there is that pressure. So I know that's a, that's a and real it's thing. It's also free, huh? Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? Because it's also free, free ish. I mean, like, because like when you're doing a demo, mm-hmm. you're being paid to do your mm-hmm. demo, kind of. For sure. Then if you're doing, like, you have to pay for a, a, a videographer. Mm-hmm. A, a, this is not how you say it. Yeah, a videographer. Oh, videographer. Mm-hmm. See? Huh. Thank you very much. I have a videographer and then like to want to edit and mm-hmm. then it's costly. So I understand why why it's free why promotion. It's, done. it's, it's just like to be mindful. Yeah. So you're talking about so if the event it. has a videographer there present, then it's like, hey, I can take advantage of this good camera and somebody else editing the videos. And this can be a demo that I can do because if if I keep it simple and and lean more towards the instructor role and not be be flashy. That would be more beneficial for the students, but I want to take advantage of this videographer because if I try to do this all on my own, I have to use this money to hire a videographer, yeah. 
get uh, clothes and wardrobe and all this kind of stuff. I have to edit the video. Makeup on. And exactly. so there's a lot that goes into that for sure. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like, how can you combine the two together? You mm-hmm. know? Um, was there anything yes. else you wanted to say about the, the professional area of, of patriarchy in Kizomba before we transition? I think we covered pretty much everything. In fact, that like seeing that there's a difference between between the, the the two, and what's really important is just to remind yourselves and remind ourselves that there's a difference, mm. and how like just to make, like and to be aware of even our behavior towards both of them, either the 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 the, the woman instructor or the the man instructor, how we perceive them. Is it like we, we said a bit earlier about the following? Do I only see following just to follow? Is it is, is it my thought? Mm. Or like I see following as okay, it's a skill set mm-hmm. to follow, to be an active follower, as Jivelin was has been saying. Mm-hmm. Or a man, do I put them on a pedestal? Do I think they're better than 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 the woman follower? Mm-hmm. Not that that uh, that's something just to to remind ourselves and on our own thinking and how we perceive for sure uh, the instructors definitely people in general and for those of you that are listening now um, there's going to be a part three to this series where we'll get more into the the solutions and and tips and examples of how to be better allies in helping creating a more equal dancing but uh, this podcast is definitely more geared towards the shedding light so if you're wanting more tips and things like that don't worry we just didn't want to overwhelm him with everything right now. There'll be a part three. Not in 20, like uh, 165. <laughs> <laughs> you should do a pinky square. A what? A pinky square. Mm, I got you. <laughs> So the next part of our discussion here and shedding light on patriarchy in Kizomba is going to be under the scope of sex and romance and attraction and things of that nature. Again, which is a bigger thing in the world outside of the dance world. We're just going to try to narrow down our focus uh, into the dancing. Um, So definitely coming and bringing up topics such as hookup culture, consent, uh, slut shaming, and things of that nature is what we're going to be talking about here. And I know this hits yes, really close to you, part. Jules, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's something that's very um, close to my heart because that's something, well, first I've been victim of, and especially uh, as, a, as a woman and wanting to, uh, to help other women also face what they've been facing and just try to bring a bit more light into uh, a bit of the darkness mm-hmm. that all of this brings a lot of pressure, a lot of um, scars have been done with, uh, with this. For sure. So, so yeah. if you're in the kiss scene, you definitely were around uh, in last year when there was a big kind of like noise around sexual assault and sexual uh, misconduct and coercion. It's happened multiple times in the dancing. This is why even my festival last year had a safe space policy is because we wanted to kind of do our part um, as an organization to help create a safe space. So this is not a new issue, but last year was definitely uh, a bigger thing that kind of like blew up a little bit on social media about 
about sexual misconduct. And I think it happened in multiple dance scenes. It wasn't just the Kizoma scene. I think there were some things that happened in in Zook and in Salsa. And so it's it's something that is even that's limited to to just Kizomba. But I know I was I remember talking to my friend Caitlin, who's also been on the podcast and we've talked about this topic as well. Um, I'll link that podcast below as well because we talked about like consent for dancers and kind of like consent one-on-one, but we kind of have this uh, notion where we have to find the balance between uh, unwanted sexualization of, of women in Kizomba and, and the privileges that men feel like they have sometimes. And then also on the flip side, making sure that we don't swing too far to where it's denying um, a woman's right to their sexual expression and their sexual freedom. That's, that's the tricky part, yeah? It is super tricky, and in the because the thing is like to remember, the Kizomba scene is a small portion or a, a small representation of what a society is. Exactly. So there's no there's no um, there's no surprises. It's just like it's 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 a bit more uh, f- uh, focalized, mm-hmm. and we we see we see that a little bit more. So the the, the line is very fine between the the hypersexualization and. Putting, uh, 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 you said denying their right to sexual expression or, and their sexual freedom. Yes, because like we see them, we see we see women. Well, okay, how can I phrase it properly so I don't offend anyone? Mm-hmm. Or it's just like we often put a woman in a in, in a category, mm-hmm. and we don't want to want to we don't want to see her as anything else. So we want to have a woman that is sexually open but not too much mm-hmm. because that is a male privilege the men can have that sexual freedom because it has been given or like throughout time to him mm-hmm. so when we look at a woman who's sexually open she is she's gonna be put as in the category of being a slut mm-hmm. so now like she like even though she has like multiple partners like i still try to grasp why we want to have such a control around the image of the woman, especially with her, with her sexuality. So, because when we look at the man, he can do whatever he wants. He's even praised for it. So I just wanted to, to hop on and say the, the body count. If a man has a high body count, meaning the number of sexual partners that he's been with. Okay, so what's a body count? Yeah, so <laughs> it's like a, you're bringing your, 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 your body you just killed in the backyard. Like, this is a pal of about 20 years. No, I think that's the thing sometimes, like in, in, in the dating phase, like sometimes a guy will ask oh. a girl, hey, what's your body count? Meaning like, how many people have you slept with? I didn't with? know that. Yeah. Oh, well. And so <laughs> ideally, like if a guy has a high body count, it's like, oh man, he's attractive. He's, 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 He's in the zone, like women want him, he's desired. And so he's put on a pedestal. But if a woman has a high body count, then, <laughs> <laughs> then it's like the opposite, you know? So it's completely the opposite. Mm-hmm. Even like, uh, if, okay, I'm uh, just going to put it that way. So that way the person would not be targeted. Mm-hmm. But I've been with a person a long time ago mm-hmm. and he said something that stuck into me for such a long time. It took me so many years to become deconstruct that he never, he never wanted me to say how many partners that I had. Mm. He didn't want to know about it at that point. I mean, like that was years ago. Because like I'm gonna see you different. Because like, like almost like I was being used. Mm. 
And at that point, I mean, like it was early in my six, my six life. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a bit intense. But like, but that to me was such like at the, at the, at the time it was not a, a red flag, but it, it is now. But how many times do you hear that? Mm. I, I honestly, I've heard it not too long ago. About someone that, hey, I cannot go uh, now, man. I'm, I'm at the threshold is now. I cannot really have really a lot of sexual partners now. I mean, I have to calculate them because of mm. the body counts. Mm-hmm. Because men's gotta see you different, which they shouldn't. I've met other people which they don't they don't care. Where like honestly, to be honest, I don't even know how many people I've slept mm-hmm. with. I don't I don't keep track. So it would, it would be able to answer that question. Yeah, it's crazy that like men want this notion of like they don't want a virgin. And somebody who's inexperienced, but they want somebody who's going to be good, but then experience, but experience. So it's just (laughs) interesting. And then it's like, even the notion that he's going to have, it's like, I'm going to see you differently. It's like, why? Because you had, you had sex. sex? (laughs) Like, come on, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, everybody enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Not all the time, not all the time, not all the time. God damn, no. (laughs) So that's a thing that we see. Yes. um, in the Kizoma scene, but that even shifts our mindset because now I know you've had some experiences to where there's rumors and things of that that get spread because you are, uh, you are, might be perceived to have been or be sleeping I with see. someone. And that's a whole another can of worms. Since I started in the Kizoma scene, had rumors about me. What kind of rumors? When I, people saying I was sleeping around, mm. which I wasn't. But I didn't. I didn't even have to say that. See, it was such like I, it just went out because I I needed to be like to 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 validate or not validate it mm. because but at the end of the day, who cares? But I, since the beginning, I had rumors about me saying like, "Hey, that girl," because I'm really friendly. Mm-hmm. I'm really like you, you know me. For sure. Like I'm super friendly. Like, hey, what's up, bro? What's up? I do that with men and women, but like. A relationship with a with a, a woman with a woman and a woman with a man is totally different. Mm-hmm. Even though it's the same output, I still see them equally. But on the receiving hand, on the, the people's mind, first a woman cannot be friend with a man, mm-hmm. which makes no sense. Are we not two human beings? There's not only sexual attraction to everybody. For sure. Like so, so yes. Yeah, so and that is that is yeah that yeah that's it yeah. So do you have these rumors that pass pass through? You know, I've uh, had my fair share of yeah. rumors of like, oh, yeah. he's sleeping with this person or that person or whatever, yeah. just because yeah. you dance longer or you get seen doing something like it's, it's and it's really something I always have. You're talking with a person. Yeah, it's always something that I have <laughs> in the back of my head to like, yeah, like, OK, I'm a human being. Yes, I'm a Kizomi instructor, but like I'm allowed to be attracted to other people. So like if I wanted to. Like, I would like to, but like, I don't even want to give people the opportunity to start to think of something because if I was not careful, then maybe the, if rumors are going to be a part of the equation, regardless, I still have to be careful because if I'm not careful, then the rumors just continue to spread even more, you know? But the, are we talking about the rumors or because like that also like brings the, the conversation on the, the, the using your your status to have sex. Yep. So that's exactly what I was going to get into. Mm. That's exactly where I was going. So as I just wanted to bring before we get into that, I wanted to shine light that like people feel like because you're an instructor, you're not allowed to be a human being, but a human being is going to feel mm-hmm. attracted to somebody, you know, and yeah. I have had friends who 
have hooked up with other Kizoma instructors or other dance instructors. And it's not just, mm-hmm. and people automatically assume that the only reason that a woman decides to sleep with a guy is because they are a dance instructor or not, which is, no. which is crazy, but yeah, that's, no. that's the notion that people think. And so yes. that ties into, oh, he's a dance instructor. He must be manipulating her to want to sleep with him, you know? And that might not be the case at all. The woman might actually be attracted to other parts of his personality or his character that she finds attractive. Now, that's one aspect. So that that falls on the side of the woman's sexual expression and freedoms to choose who she wants yes. to sleep with, you know? Yeah, because there's a whole spectrum. For sure. And now we're getting to the other side of it because now sometimes men impose their power to assume that because they are a dance instructor, that this girl must want to sleep with me. Like, come on, look who I am. Mm-hmm. Of course she wants to sleep with me. Mm-hmm. Come or like, like it's it's just like it it's just what it is. Because first either they're so used to it or they see they see woman as I don't want to say object, mm-hmm. but they objectify it. They objectify like, well, like, yes. like, like, like like as trophies. Mm-hmm. It's like, of course, like I mean like look at me. And no, 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 no. No, no, not all the time. So it's interesting. It's like, how, so I don't have the answer to this, but how do you balance a woman's choice to sleep with who she wants, whether he's an instructor or not, and not be slut shamed for it or not, not have rumors spread about her to, on the flip side, uh, an instructor also having the right to be a human being and to choose who to consensually and ethically have a sexual relationship with to also not imposing or getting rid of the notion that men are entitled to uh, sexual women because they're so used to all the attention that women are giving to them uh, at these events and festivals and on social media and et cetera. So there's, I guess, three different notions that we kind of have on the table that we're kind of trying to dissect. Yeah. Yes. But I think like, I think the root is someone's behavior. Mm. Because like, there's a inner word that needs to be done. Because or else like we couldn't bring all the solutions in the world where they like, just bring the facts out. If there's no awareness of your own behavior, be like, hey, I'm in I'm in a position of power. Okay. And like be sensitive of what the person is putting out there. If if it's a bit fierce, like a forceful, or you need to push it a bit, just drop it. Mm. Just drop it. But if you have this chemistry, there's thing, and then it's, it, it's, it's palpable. The woman, like, it, she's drawn into you, and you're like, and like, you don't want, you don't want to, you're not putting that energy out that you are, I don't know, probably in their mind, it's mm-hmm. like the person that I am. But like, just like, be like, generally, like, hey, open and like, feeling that energy out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we talk about energy, like, can we, can you quantify that? Yeah, but there's a sure. work and, and understand of the behavior that you're that that you're having. That would be the good first step. For sure, I agree. And I also want to make sure that I don't put the onus just on dance instructors alone. Um, I, it could be a, a talented dancer or just a male period. Yeah, and, a male period. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's what you were saying before is like feeling out the energy and things of that nature. And I get that not everybody has the same energy receptors to kind of be able to feel out a particular situation. And I think this is where it's super helpful for 
a a woman or or a guy to seek out active consent, a verbal verbal consent from their from their partner to make sure that that's okay before pushing too much or trying to coerce. But I know it's not as easy because a woman. No, but even then, mm-hmm. like it could even like a cons- like a consent act. Mm-hmm. Even the person's like, yeah, okay, oh, let's do this. Mm. This is not a consent. It has it's to be enthusiastic. You need to be enthusiastic. Like, I want it. Yes, mm-hmm. let's do this. Mm-hmm. Let's get freaking dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, like this, like this fire, mm-hmm. that is different than like, if you don't feel that, just don't go. But th- that's just like, I mean, even outside of dance, as you said. For sure. It's not in dance as well. <laughs> but again, this goes into a woman being able to own her sexuality confidently to be yes. able to communicate enthusiastically that... She is sexually interested. And then um, again, um, is this guy, is this guy somebody that she can trust? Is are they gonna hook up and then she's mm-hmm. gonna like spread the news and not be um discreet about it? Is he going to see a lot of that. uh put up a cell or video camera and record it without my knowledge and then end up online, you know? So And we go back to the back the blackmailing mm-hmm. that, that that we said prior because that there's also that in, in 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 what I mentioned during when I came out this 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 summer during that all like meeting movement in the dancing mm-hmm. there's I don't know what's happening now but there was this WhatsApp group of men sharing information mm-hmm. sharing videos and pictures and how many people like knowing that they're they're sharing and like that you're sending a pictures and or video like someone you think you're you're actually partnered with and then you realize oh no. This I've heard horrible stories, mm. horrible. And people came to see me and talking about their stories, and it was violent because this blackmailing thing and like seeing women as for sure just a piece of just a piece because of the men no, know no, that like hey, just- since we have this inequality of the body counts, yes. if the news goes mm-hmm. out, the man is just going to be seen as a desirable person that maybe even more women are going to sl- want to sleep with. Versus mm-hmm. uh, if a woman, the news comes out about a woman is going to negatively impact her image, you know? Yeah, because like we don't want to see, which is which is really interesting because we see a lot of naked bodies, mm-hmm. which is usually women. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, it's, it's hyperly sexualized everywhere. If you, you walk in the street, you're probably going to see a panel with a woman half naked. Mm-hmm. And like, even like, oh, anyways, you don't have to go that far. You can just open your computer. For sure. But not as much as a man. But then that we accept. But then when we see a woman having sex, then we get, we're getting offended. Mm-hmm. And then she, she decreases in, in, in value. Mm-hmm. But how, as a society, we put the woman, the body, we sexualize that much, that, that we want mm-hmm. because we control an image. But then when we turn and we look at a sexuality, because it's... It, Maybe like, I don't know, as a man, men or women talking now. For sure. And if the, if a man, do you think that if a woman in, in general, it was, she was, she was socially, I don't know, how can I say it? She was, she would have the same power, she, she, the same ownership of a sexuality in the man. Do you think the man will feel less of a man? Because like the, when we were talking about patriarchal system, mm. a patriarchal institution, we 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 push the men to perform to be men in, to even in bed. 
mm-hmm. to conquer, to go, to, to chase. And the woman, no, 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 me. They have to chase me. And it goes back mm-hmm. to the, the princess and her prince. Mm-hmm. So there's also, like, when we were saying at the beginning of the podcast, that the men also have that pressure. And they're also victim in another area. Mm-hmm. But still on, under the, the same patriarchal system. So is this a reason or an element why the men don't want to see the woman as equal sexually because that's their domain. What do you think? I mean, I don't think I can speak for all men, but from experience, I know before in the past, there's kind of like this thrill of like this thrill from doing what you've seen in in movies and shows where like maybe there's a woman who may not be interested in you, but through your charm, you were able to like get her to like finally take a liking to you, but maybe her initial hesitation or um, was not because she didn't like you, but maybe she did like you, but then she was just afraid to communicate that verbally because she didn't want it to seem easy, you know? And so the easiness being easy, she's on <laughs> for sure. And I've heard, I've definitely heard a conversation of guys <laughs> like, Oh, well, it was too easy. So I don't want it. Like I want, I want to have to, have to work for it. And, and, and when I say hesitation and like, I'm talking in terms of like courtship uh, and courting a woman versus like, uh, I guess in a more intimate setting, but yeah, usually like the whole notion of the guy should make the first move. And if he does make the first move, then how do you respond? Because you don't want to completely blow them off, but then you want to express interest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like the quote unquote game that people play, Mm -hmm. And it gets really confusing. Mm-hmm. And like, of course, we see it all in the movies and TV shows of how to handle these situations. Uh, there's dating experts and all these kind of people out there that are supposed to help you with the game. But I mean, I think we're just not being honest with our true intentions from the beginning, because if there's interest, then the interest should be communicated. And I think it's a slippery slope when we are conditioning men to push past a no or a hesitation and I feel like it just opens up the door for a potential slip up uh, where we should be more attentive to whether if there is a no verbally or a hesitation, then that should be a sign for us to pump the brakes versus um, so when, when it is, I'm sorry, I'm trying to communicate when it is a real hesitation because the woman is uncomfortable, that should be respected. Yeah. But if yes. there is interest and she's faking hesitation and she's not communicating the interest, then I feel like mm. it just leads down a slippery slope of not being able to read navigation. I'm sorry, not be able to read hesitation properly. And maybe we proceed forward when we shouldn't have because we didn't pick up on the on the right signals. Because I, I just talked to one of my friends. She came back from Haiti and she said the guys there are so conditioned to push past the the no. And it's yeah. even for the woman. Like, oh, I told yeah. him no and he stopped talking to me. So that means he must not really like me, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. that's just like a, I feel like a slippery slope to where if it is a real no, then how do you distinguish between a no that where there is interest versus a no where there was not? Yeah, because to answer that question, we need to de- deconstruct everything Mm -hmm. because like it's it's a a vicious cycle because everything is is feeding one on the other Mm -hmm. so like how to break it 
it's, it's to realize that there's a, 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 a vicious circle. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, okay, if I do this as if my behavior is this to push, mm-hmm. like, oh, I know it is that I've pushed first and then you see the reaction and then you understand why she does a reaction or not but it's it, it starts so it starts from within so the inner word i was saying earlier okay i should not be pushing mm-hmm. even though like she is not gonna be re- responsive actually right it's not yours to own this For it's sure. her own reaction so if we all start doing that and like owning how we are not as a toxic behavior more as more as because they're constructing this toxic behavior be like hey this is how i've done this is what i've done all my life i thought it was okay i thought a woman liked it and sometimes and there's also like like um how do you say in english in inter interiorized uh, misogyny so the woman think that's what they want internalized. because in their head, they're so internalized misogyny because they're so conditioned to think that way because the whole system is based that way so, like, to answer your question, we have to deconstruct that. And to deconstruct that, you have to be aware of your own behaviors. And then make those changes. Fixing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that starts from far. For sure. <laughs> but at least knowing it, and then you can start something. Mm-hmm. I definitely, like, remember hearing some stories or reading about coercion or hesitation and things like that. And it just makes you uh, more present in the moment. And it even ask yourself, like, what do you really want? Like, do you really feel attracted to this person? How attracted are you? Do you want to go through and express that interest? You know, is it genuine or is it fleeting? Not that either one is right or wrong, but I think it's just being more intentional about what it is that you want, what you are proposing. And I think also one thing that's coming to mind is not uh, being ethical about it because I know uh, some of you may have heard the term of ethical uh, non-monogamy to where like you're not trying to create this fairy tale of a situ- of a potential situation in order to hook somebody in to want to hook up with you because there's a potential of, of a further relationship past that. If you're being ethical about it, then you're clear about your intentions from the beginning and you're not trying to like invoke uh, feelings and things of that nature just for the sake of, of having sex. And and that's through uh, lying and, and deceiving, you know. But it, to have, but first to have clear intentions, mm-hmm. you need to, be, to have to do an introspection For of sure. what are those introspections. Mm-hmm. But then, when you're going in, you need to allow yourself to to have those introspections and to have those feelings, or like being like whole owning of what it is and having no judgments. Mm-hmm. Because then when you start when you start judging yourself of having those changes, and then sometimes there's shame coming mm. in. And then sometimes that's hard and that's violent. And then you don't want you don't want to pursue this. Mm-hmm. So like sympathy about what is. So then you can have those attention and not trying to fit in the, the system that we know. Then that can clear your head to get those clear intentions. Then actually and then understanding if you don't understand you more going to understand the other person more and then the relationship itself would be more uh would be more sane and then you can do uh, exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. makes sense okay so these are all very good points and like we said at the beginning of the podcast we are not the experts we are not uh perfect human beings coming out here being like holier than thou or anything like that 
I really hope that yeah. any of you guys um, are not feeling that from the way that we're presenting the information. We're both feeling a little bit of discomfort and sharing this information and like having the <laughs> conversation, but we feel like it's important to kind of push through uncomfortable conversations sometimes. And so, yeah, uh, hookup culture and consent is, is definitely a, a huge topic. And I've had multiple podcasts on this topic, and I think it's all super important because it's something that we need to, to learn uh, in the dance community and just how the, the system of patriar patriarchy and misogyny can kind of impose itself in certain one-on-one uh, -on -one situations on a personal level, you know, from an unconscious standpoint, you know? So um, I definitely feel like we need to kind of ask ourselves why um, we view women as less after they're sexually active, but we ask to see naked women all the time, you know, like Victoria's Secret models, mm. uh, Sports yeah. Illustrated. It's so many different areas where we're asking women to show us more and more and more skin, but until like it entices that desire and then you can't control it. And then she's either a slut or a hoe. But what's what's very interesting, just a side note about about that, about Victoria's Secret, and since we're talking about uh, the body mm -hmm. and the woman, etc., now they're doing, it's not only skinny women in their catalog. Mm. They have a diversity of bodies, which is amazing. So just like a side note. For sure. <laughs> From different, sh different shapes and colors I've seen. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And age. No, not age. Not age. Mm. Not age. Not, we're, not we're not there quite yet. <laughs> I got you. But I feel like <laughs> there'll be a different brand that's targeting um, a different age mm -hmm. group for that, you know? But it's all good. Yeah. So that's a question that we can ask about ourselves. And those questions that we talked about before, you know, like just because you are a talented dancer doesn't mean that you are entitled to any particular woman to sleep with you. In the same token, If you are a talented dancer or a dance instructor, you are a human being and you're allowed to have a sex life for sure. And just like a woman is also allowed to have her sexual freedom and choose who she wants to sleep with. And there should be no negative judgment around that. It shouldn't even be our business. Like, why? Why do we want to know about these things? Which even goes into uh, thinking about people who are spreading rumors about other people's mm -hmm. private lives. Yeah, it's about respecting each other. It's about respecting the other person's privacy. It's about respecting the other person's willingness of doing whatever she wants or he wants. Mm -hmm. it, but it has to respect yourself and the others. For sure. So that's important because I don't think we actually mentioned it. Mm. Respect. Yes, definitely lots of respect, you know? And like, if you're going to respect your sexual energy enough to want to feel attracted and have a sexual experience with somebody else, but then you're going to lack the respect to con Uh, respect their privacy and, and their discretion. And now you're going to go brag about it or share photos or videos without her consent and things of that nature. That is, that is not a sign of respect. So it's like, what's going on that's even causing you to, to want to do that? And why are you desiring those types of uh, relationships to begin with? You know, entitlement mm. or most of the times feeling entitled, feeling like you, you have the upper hand because This is the title that, that the society is giving to you. For sure. And so, again, we, we kind of bring this balance before we get into our, our last uh, little section here of the podcast. It's like the balance between unwanted sexual, unwanted sexualization and, and men feeling entitled to act 
and choose women that they want. That's not what we want. At the same time, we don't want to that to turn into denying women and their right to sexual expression freedom. And that means ending, not having slut shaming, uh, not viewing a woman lesser than because she has uh, whatever body Same. count. A sexual sex life. <laughs> exactly. Sex life. <laughs> so all these kind of things are kind of tough to balance. And I would even say from my experience, I think it's important to also realize that, uh, yes, dance instructors can be seen to have power, but I would want to deconstruct that power. It's like, what is, what is this power? Yeah. What is this celebrity? What is this fame? Because if I would like to see less of that because then it puts less scrutiny and and more of a, a human being experience because to say that's a professional dance instructor who travels the world and uh, meets different people is not allowed to have sex. Have sex. I don't Come feel on. like that's fair, but he shouldn't be no, lying or cheating or deceiving or being uh, unethical with his sexual behavior. Mm-hmm. But that's regardless of his title. So lots Absolutely. of intersection of of different uh, things here. But and I hope that. Made sense. I apologize. I'm not communicating it in the most uh, clear cut. It made sense to me. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure people understand. Or else, guys, eat us up. We're going to try to make Charles deconstruct his thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. It's not in the most smooth, elegant way. But um, as I'm learning and even putting voice to these thoughts and feelings that I have, mm. I feel like it'll get better over time. So, yeah, but that's. Yeah, that's you mentioned a very good point. Like a lot of people, a lot of instructors are traveling the world, and they they're not they don't have like a a, a fixed point mm-hmm. where they are, and so it's it's normal to to have like guys sexual relationships are normal mm-hmm. on both sides. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to have sex. Period. It just depends on how it's done. So, like, if you have if you have an instructor going around around the world, of course, he's gonna have a sex life. He's gonna have multiple partners for sure. It's just the boils down to respect. It it, it goes back to respect and how how you treat how to treat the other person, how you view the other person, how you view yourself. Mm -hmm. That's that's just be a better human being for sure. So let's go ahead and kind of close out this podcast, uh, speaking about male fragility and male privilege. And this is interesting to kind of read or even to say out loud, because uh, during the whole (laughs) course of the Black Lives Matter movement, you hear about uh, white fragility and white privilege. And so, again, anytime there's any kind of privilege, I guess you could use these terms. It could be heterosexual fragility and privilege. It could be economic fragility and privilege or anything like that. So that, that, that term is interchangeable, whatever you put there at the beginning, but let's talk about the males. Uh, yeah. Cause like when I said, uh, well, actually when we said at the beginning, like we, we had a discomfort, but as a woman, like I have discomfort because like talking about these kind of topics with a man, it, it triggers them a lot. So we don't have the space to talk about it and we don't have a, a receiving end or receiving ear to to talk about this because it there's that 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 fragility of like like that, that ego thing like I, like you did something wrong you did something this and this and this and this instead of be like huh wait a second mm-hmm. okay i've acted this way that was my behavior okay now i'm acknowledging it and how can i and how can i be better and then it goes to introspection and not feeling like 
oh, I've been attacked. Even if you were attacked because you did, you, you did something or whatever, you don't think you did something. Like just to go back and be like, hey, instead of like feeling, feeling triggered by it, learn and mm. listen. Don't, don't, don't think like it's always first an attack on you. Sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. Often it is not. It's just like bringing a behavior that you've done to light. For sure. So don't be fragile about that because every, every time you speak about, I'm a feminist. Every time I say the word feminism, there's a guy somewhere, even sometimes, sometimes women too, by the mm. way, uh, there's like, oh my God. And then I get, I get like thrown some stuff and then I have to refute it. And then it mm. goes to a very long conversation because of the fragility. And I remember in the terms of, of the scope of white fragility and white privilege, mm-hmm. I remember hearing that there was a reluctance to admit that there was white privilege because that means that they, they, they internalized it. And now it came yes. into a shameful thing like I am a racist yes. person versus like, hey, there is a system that supports racism that you are benefiting from. And so it's clear mm-hmm. to make that distinction that like, we're not trying to point shame at an individual person. We're just shedding mm-hmm. light to the system. And so as a black person on the oppression side, I can kind of talk to a white person and say, hey, don't be fragile. But then when I flip it and now yes. it's on the, the scope of male and female uh, dynamics, now I have to make sure that I'm practicing those same things that I was on the opposite end of. Um, with this intersection of oppression and privilege, you know? So it's a process. And, mm-hmm, there's definitely discomfort that I, I even feel uh, just because like, I guess as humans, we put this pressure on ourselves that we have to be perfect or all of mm-hmm. our interactions have to be rainbows and unicorns, but like we're not perfect as human beings. And so we've all had situations that we haven't handled in our best. And that doesn't automatically disqualify you from having a conversation about it. So um, we're allowed to grow. We're allowed to learn. We're allowed to have conversations and, and things of that nature, you know. And, and, you ha- and you're, it's okay to, you know, like sometimes like there's a spectrum of emotions. Hmm. And we always uh, uh, glorify certain emotions. But they, they're, they're all okay to a certain way. And sometimes like feeling that shame because like, because I'm white. So when there was the whole like Black Lives Matter coming in and popping out, not coming in and popping out, and I also needed to reflect on my position, mm. even though I've done it multiple times. But like this time around, I was like, okay, like let's go deeper on, on my privilege mm. because I'm white. And this is like, okay, man, there's certain part, it was violent because like I, I, I felt the shame on certain areas because I did not know. I did not know. And when I was talking with other people and it was the same and it's okay, but then what are you going to do with that after? It's like, okay, I'm acknowledging it. I know better. And what can you do to move forward? Mm -hmm. So definitely opportunity to grow on different ends, depending on what intersections of privilege and oppression that you have. And I definitely feel like it's a, a slow burn. It's not like you see the complete light in in one day is definitely something that you have to like continue to revisit and reflect on and kind of push the the comfort zones that you that you have step by step and that's something that you measure within yourself it's not something that you have to advertise or anything like that but yeah i think this was a really good podcast to help put out there and just add some more of that conversation to uh the dance scene 
And if you're listening to it and you felt like you have some opportunities to reflect on, then that's that's you and your journey. And we wish you the best with that. We hope that we inspired you to reflect and think about areas that um, you can potentially improve on or things that you can be aware of the next time around. And myself included. Great. Or things that you've done well in the past. So, again, um, everybody's experience is unique. And I hope that this was an inspirational kind of podcast for you. What are your closing thoughts, Jules? Just to remember that we all in on this herd all together and that step by step, we got to make a change if we want to. And for and at the end, thank you so much for having me again on this podcast. Mm. <laughs> Such a pleasure talking with you. And like we, we often have uh, those conversations uh, about multiple subjects, but especially mm. this one. And uh, it's always super rich to, uh, to exchange with you. And I'm glad we, we were able to record it and share with everybody else. And if people want to come talk to me or probably to you too, that uh, we're welcome to, uh, to bring some light mm-hmm. to certain areas. So, so yeah, all, all, all that being said, uh, we covered a lot of things today and what would be great for the, the third podcast that we're going to do, as we said, we did a picky square. You guys didn't see it, but we did a picky square. It's not going to be at 165. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk, we're going to bring some solutions and what we can do with that and how we can improve ourselves and this is in the, the, the community that we, that we are in on the third podcast on this series, Woman in Kizomba. Awesome. So thank you for doing this project with me, Jules, and I'm glad that we were able to get part two done. And we'll see you again in part three. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.